Good morning. Thank you, Brother Eric. So we're finally done with the book of Malachi. And we're, as we approach Christmas, we're in the season of Advent. And so we're going to have a December series on Advent on certain topics. So today is the first Sunday of Advent. We're in December. We're almost into the new year. And Christmas is approaching very soon. The Advent season is comprises of four weeks before Christmas. It is an old tradition dating at least as far back as 400s when the early church observed a period of preparation leading up to Christmas. Advent is a time when we prepare our hearts and our minds for the coming of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The word Advent means to come, and the Advent season focuses on remembering Christ's first coming at Christmas and then also anticipating Christ's second coming and soon return. This Advent season, we will be sharing a series of messages exploring the various themes represented by four themes, which is today we're covering hope, and then joy, peace, and love. These themes of hope, peace, joy, and love stretch all the way back to the first Christmas and beyond. They are deeply rooted in Scripture, and so it is very appropriate that we take some time this Advent season to reflect on these various themes in light of Scripture and the Christmas story. Advent is all about hope. But hope isn't something we can manufacture. We can't just try to be more hopeful. Hope doesn't come with the power of positive thinking. Where then does it come from? If we're all trying to stir up that hope, how do we get hope? It comes from knowing and trusting God's promises and his word. That's where hope comes from. Knowing and trusting God's promises and his word. Promises like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Promises like, blessed are the poor. Promises like, Jesus is coming back. In Hebrews, the author writes of this hope from chapter 6. So God has given both his promise and his oath. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hope comes from knowing and trusting God's promises. And we get God's promises from scripture. It is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. During Advent, we wait for the fulfillment of God's promise that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is coming again. We hold to God's promise that Jesus will come back, ushering a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more tears or mourning or crying or pain. Do we all long for that? What does it look like to hope in God's promises? The first represents hope. And so today we'll look at how hope in Christ relates to Advent and Christmas and to our own lives today. 
We will be looking at a variety of scriptures throughout this message, but we will begin with this passage of our hope fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. So if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 1. We just finished Malachi and now we're in Matthew. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning asking, Lord, to speak to us through your word, that we would be encouraged this morning, Lord, of the hope that we have, Lord, before us, Lord, and we would look to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that we would, Lord, uh, trust your promises, trust your word, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the first Advent theme that we will be talking and discussing and learning and studying is hope. That word hope. Hope is an important thing relating to Christmas and especially relating to the Advent season leading up to Christmas. Our world is in desperate need of hope. I mean, we look at our world today. How many people are sick in hospitals right now, fighting for their life, and families who are worried, and people who have passed away, and just, you know, families who are hurt right now, and they're seeking hope. Maybe people who lost their job, maybe people who don't have money to pay their bills, their mortgage, their car payment. Maybe people who don't have anything to eat, they're trying to figure out a way to feed their family, their kids, single moms, single parents. There's people out there in this world who are suffering, who are struggling, homeless people who are in this cold weather. I mean, I'm in my house and it's cold, but you know, I can't imagine being out in the street, freezing. So there's people in our world, and that's why we got to be thankful. We just finished Thanksgiving. We should be thankful for what we do have. Because God has been good to us and he's blessed us. So the word hope is something that we desperately want in our lives. We, we cling to. Many people today live without hope or have given up on hope. I mean, we hear the statistics that suicide is rapidly rising. People are losing hope. They're ending their lives and we need to be able to speak hope to their lives. And the only hope we have is in Jesus Christ and in his word and in his promises. But Christ came at Christmas to bring you, to bring me, to bring us hope. And that is what we want to see in scriptures this morning. We're going to look at three aspects of hope this morning relating to Christ and Christmas. Hope in Christ gets us through the waiting. Hope in Christ helps you go the distance and hoping Christ does not disappoint. So let's start with the first one. Hope in Christ gets you through the waiting. First of all, hope in Christ gets you through the waiting. The Advent season is all about waiting. It's a time when we remember the long period of waiting that, pre that preceded the first coming of Christ. And also a time when we reflect on our own season of waiting for the second coming of Christ. That first period of waiting stretched all the way from Genesis to Matthew. From Adam and Eve 
to Joseph and Mary, from the Garden of Eden to the manger of Bethlehem. The first signal of hope during that long period of waiting came shortly after Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. God told Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Adam and Eve both disobeyed this command from God, bringing death not only upon themselves, but upon the entire human race to come. So how do we get this messed up world that we're living in right now, this fallen, broken, shattered world? Through the beginning of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And that's how death came into this, into this world. When God appeared in the garden pronouncing judgment on the serpent, the woman and man all seemed bleak except for a word of hope tucked away in God's judgment upon the serpent. God told the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, Verse 16, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. That was the promise of God, the hope that God had instilled from the very beginning when it all seemed like it was going down and there was be no hope. God put hope there. The serpent and his offspring represent Satan and all who follow in Satan's path. The woman and her offspring represent Eve and all those who love and follow God. And indeed, there has been enmity between Satan and those who follow God ever since the garden. And yet, even in this world of judgment, in this word of judgment, there was a beacon of hope for the people of God. Because even though the woman's offspring at first seems to represent many descend, the many descendants of Eve, verse 15 focuses on the one specific individual descended from Eve, who will triumph over Satan and the evil that has brought on mankind. Satan will strike his heel, but the special individual will crush Satan's head, bringing an end to Satan's rule of misery over humanity. These signals of hope in the form of prophets continue throughout the Old Testament period. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham and promised him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And, I will, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, two, verse 2 and 3. God fulfilled this promise by bringing the nation of Israel out of Abraham. And through the nation of Israel, God continued to give promises about the special individual. This one special individual who would bring blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Through the long years of waiting, the prophets became more and more specific, focusing on the Messiah who would come as a prophet, priest, and king to rescue his people. Around the year 700 BC, we come to the prophet Isaiah who told the king of Judah in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. This was the clearest prophecy yet and the promised offspring would come and deliver his 
people. There are still many centuries of waiting to come, but these prophecies and others like them continue to give the people hope because God kept speaking to them through the Old Testament and the promises of he would send a deliverer. There, these were long and difficult days for the people of Israel, and yet their hope in the Messiah, the Christ to come, helped them through the waiting. And it's the same for us today. We all go through periods of waiting in our lives. And we need a hope, and we need hope to get us through the waiting. Waiting is never easy. And what and whatever you are waiting on today. I want you to know that there is hope in Christ. Whether you're waiting on God's direction or a job offer or an answer to prayer or a response from someone you love, whatever you're waiting for this morning, there is hope in Christ. Amen? And, and that is the hope that reminds us that the hope in Christ will get you through the waiting Let's move to the second point. Hope in Christ helps you go the distance. Hope in Christ gets you through the waiting, and hope in Christ helps you go the distance. An important part of the Christmas story has to do with the Magi who traveled to see Jesus sometime after he was born. The Magi were pagan musician, uh, magicians and, or astrologers who studied the stars and interpreted dreams. We find in the early instances of the Magi in the book of Exodus with Moses in Egypt, and then again in the book of Daniel, we are not told how many Magi visited Jesus, but later traditions speak of either 12 or 3. We read about the Magi in, Magi in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The Magi are important for a number of reasons. They were a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy which spoke about nations and kings coming to Zion to worship the Lord. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 3. Their coming to Christ was a foreshadowing of the gospel going out to the Gentiles and far away nations. And the gifts they brought for Christ were gifts fit for a king, befitting the birth of Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I want, you, I want us to focus on this morning in the distance they came to see Christ. Matthew tells us that they came from the east, so they were mostly from Babylon or Persia. Either, either, that, either way, they had to travel a great distance perhaps as many as 1,000 miles over difficult and dangerous terrain in order to come and see Christ. What would prompt them to make such a journey? Why would they do that? Travel so far to see this baby. And the answer once again comes back to hope. They ask Hera, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his start in the east and come to worship him. Now you might wonder how they would connect this star with the birth of the Messiah. How does that connect? How is the star and the Messiah connected? As, ma as Magi, they would have been very interested in stars and prophecies, and of course they would have access to Old Testament scriptures because of the Jews who had been exiled their centuries before. 
Perhaps they focus on the prophecy of Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, which said, A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. This prophecy connected a star with a scepter or king of Israel. But however they knew, the star signaled to them that the Messiah, the Christ, had been born, and it was this hope in Christ that helped them go to distance to worship the newborn king in Israel. It is hope in Christ that helps us go the distance in life, too. We all go through trials in life. Maybe right now we're going through a certain trial in our lives. We've either gone through one, are going through one, or we'll be soon going into a trial. But trials are a part of the Christian life. We will all experience them. And it's easy to get discouraged. Maybe right now this morning you're watching or you're here and you're discouraged. And you're like, you're, you're almost losing hope. You're feeling hopeless. Do not feel hopeless. If you have Christ in your life, you should have much hope. That's when it's important to remember that God is with you. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with you. That God will help you. His grace, his mercy, his love. That God is, has a purpose for you in your trials. Remember, everything that we go through has a purpose. God is shaping us, molding us, making us more like Christ. It's not in vain that we go through these things. And most important of all, that eternal glory awaits you in heaven. As a Christian, we have that hope that this world, whatever it is that's going on, whether we're sick, we're in pain, we have disease, we're, whatever the thing that we're going through that is hard, we have the hope that we will be in heaven with God for all of eternity and we will never experience that ever again. Remember I said last week, as a Christian, this is the closest you will ever be to what feeling what hell is like. And for the non-Christian, this is as close as to heaven you will ever experience. So we have that hope that we will have eternal glory awaiting for us in heaven, be with Christ for all of eternity in his presence. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. So do not lose heart this morning. For whatever trial, tribulation, hardship you're going through right now, it's achieving for us an eternal glory. That outweighs them all. Be encouraged that there is a purpose for whatever it is that we're going through. And let's fix our eyes on heaven. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on the eternal not on the temporary, everything here will be left, right? At the end of the day, the ultimate statistic is that 10 out of 10 die, that all of us will one day die, and we're going to stand before Christ, either as Savior and Lord, or as our judge, and be given to what us what, what we deserve. And if we're not in Christ, we will be, we are deserving of hell, and you will spend eternity in hell apart from him. But if you're in Christ, you'll spend eternity in heaven with Christ in the joy of being in his presence. 
Paul, how did Paul keep going when the going got tough? Paul is an example of a Christian who's going through some really hard things and who really suffered for the gospel. He had hope for the future and hope in Christ that helps you go the distance. Again, if you have your hope in Christ, whatever it is that might happen in your life, you're going to stand firm in Christ. You're not going to lose hope. You're going to go the distance. And our last point, hope in Christ does not disappoint. Hope in Christ gets you through the waiting. Hope in Christ helps you go the distance. Hope in Christ does not disappoint. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 tells us, Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. As believers, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit that indwells you. And that Holy Spirit actually gives you the assurance that you're a child of God. So I don't like to tell anybody you're, you're a Christian, you're not a Christian. Let the Spirit of God indwell you, give you that confidence that you are his son, that you are his daughter. And that he shows that love towards you that he gave to us. The Christmas story is full of shining examples of people who put their hope in Christ and were not disappointed. We have already looked at the Magi who traveled such a great distance to see Jesus Christ. Imagine if they, all, if they all went all that distance and Jesus wasn't even there. That would have been disappointing. But their hope was not disappointed. They found Christ in Bethlehem just as it had been prophesied. There are so many other examples as well. Remember the prophecy from Isaiah about the virgin who would give birth to a son. That prophecy was fulfilled when the Virgin Mary gave birth to Christ that first Christmas evening. We read in the Gospel of Matthew, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The Virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. How about Mary? Mary was told by the angel that she would give birth to the Savior. Every pregnancy is a time of waiting and expectation and hope. Is it not for the moms who are here? And in this respect, Mary's pregnancy was no difference. And so we read in Luke chapter 2. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, you guys. We'll read verses 5 and 7. Joseph went to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. All of Mary's hopes for the baby when the baby was born, and she held that newborn infant in her arms and wrapped him in the cloth and laid him in the manger, Mary's hope in Christ was not disappointed. And then there is Simeon, a man from Jerusalem who was waiting for the Messiah to come. If you guys want to move down to verses 25 through 32 of the same chapter 2 of Luke. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple court. When the parents brought in the, in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight for all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. God told Simeon he would not he would see the Messiah before he died. At that precise moment that Joseph and Mary were bringing Jesus into the temple, the Spirit moved Simeon to go into the temple as well. Simeon put his hope in Christ, and he was not disappointed. Are we seeing a pattern here? And then there is a prophet, the prophet, uh, prophet and Anna. We read about her in Luke chapter 2 also, verses 36 through 38. Same chapter, verses 36 and 38. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the, that was very old. She had lived there with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then, he was, and then she was a widow until she was 84. Look at that, how long she was a widow. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel, of Jerusalem. Anna lost her husband probably when she was still young and she lived many years as a widow. But she poor, put all her hope in God. And her hope was not disappointed. She also saw Christ in the temple. And then remember that Advent season is not just about those who waited for Christ's first coming. It's also for us who wait for Christ's second coming. When Christ returns, he will banish all evil. He will make all things right. He will restore the earth. We will see Christ face to face. And all our hopes will be fulfilled. Think of that day when you see Christ face to face. Romans chapter 8. Verse 23 through 25. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for what? For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. For who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So let's ask God first and foremost to give us patience. So that we would be able to wait and hope that that is seen is not hope. That what was not seen is hope. So we wait for when we will be with Christ for eternity in heaven. That's what we're longing for as Christians. We yearn for. When you put your hope in Christ, you will not be disappointed. So if you're watching, listening, if you're here today, this morning, and you're feeling hopeless, Maybe ask yourself, first and foremost, are you even a Christian? Do you even know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you're trying to fulfill all your desires with these earthly things that we have here, whether it be parties, alcohol, drugs, possessions, relationships. All of that will leave you longing for something more, something greater, because that can't fulfill you. Work, money, status. 
None of that can fulfill you. You need Christ in your life. You need to first and foremost acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you've broken God's commandments, that you're not right with God in and of yourself. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're a sinner, and you're going to face God one day, the day you die, and he will judge you. The question is, will you be found innocent or guilty? You'd probably be guilty. And if you're guilty, would you be going to heaven or hell? You'd probably be going to hell if you're not in Christ. So today is a day of salvation. Today is a day that God extends his grace and his mercy while you're still alive, while you're breathing. You can repent today, turn away from your sins, and put your faith and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior if you haven't done so. You need to be born again. God needs to regenerate you. Take that heart of stone and put a heart of flesh. When you put your hope in Christ, you will not be disappointed. You will have a relationship with him. You will experience hope, joy, peace, and the love of God in your life. We were made for God. We were made to have a relationship with God. It was broken in Genesis, and our relationship with God needs to be restored only through Jesus Christ, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 11 says, Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. Anyone who trusts in him, which is trust in Jesus Christ. If you put your trust in other things, they will disappoint you. Whether you put your trust in people, do people not fail you? Do they not disappoint you? They do. In possessions. Can possessions be taken away? Can you have a lot today and have nothing tomorrow? Possessions can be taken away and will be taken away from us. Or in future plans that you have made, you make certain plans, but they do not pan out and come out the way you would wanted them to do. God has different things for you in plan, in store. Or other things will disappoint you, but not Christ. Jesus will never disappoint you. Hope in Christ does not disappoint. So I want to conclude. The Christmas season is a wonderful season for so many reasons, but one of the most important reasons is the hope that Christ brings to a lost world. 1 Timothy, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That which is all of us. We're all sinners. But now if we're in Christ, we're saints. We're bought with the blood of Christ that he shed on the cross. We're made right because of the work of Christ on the cross. That means he came to save you and save me. Jesus was born into this world at Christmas so that he could grow to be a man and die on the cross for your sins and mine. Amen? So if you're discouraged this morning, if you are tired of waiting, if you feel like giving up, if you face too many disappointments in life, then let me point you to Christ and the hope that is found in him alone. 
Hope in Christ gets you through the waiting. Hope in Christ helps you go the distance. Hope in Christ does not disappoint. Put your hope in Christ today and every day because that is that what we need in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, giving you thanks for all your blessings in our lives. Lord, as we come to this Advent season, as we think about, Lord, the baby Jesus, the gift that you've given us, Lord, for you, God, for you so loved the world that you gave your only son, Lord. May we, Lord, uh, know that he grew up to be a man, that he died on the cross, but, and that he shed his blood for our sins, Lord, but that he also resurrected on the third day, and that he ascended into heaven, that he is one day coming back again, Lord, to judge the world, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that we would, Lord, put our hope and trust in him and in your promises and in your word, and that we would, Lord, not feel hopeless, but no, Lord, feel your love, feel your joy, feel your peace in our lives throughout this season of, uh, of, of Christmas, Lord. We pray all this in your son Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen.